0: Hi there! Welcome to Embrace Your Strengths. I am so excited for you to hear from my next guest, Jay Lorenzen. His top strength is learner, followed by ideation, connectedness, strategic, and context. He has so much wisdom he brings to the world. As you listen, you're going to hear how his tenacious desire to learn and lead others well is written all over everything he says and does. You will hear how his vision, For others to glean from what happened on the battlefield in Gettysburg has been the focus of his ministry with his wife, Lori, for 25 plus years. I love hearing how he's constantly learning as he relates to others and especially in his tender father's heart for his children and 15 grandchildren. Stay tuned to listen to the very end because he shares about his heart to affirm them as God's beloved children. It's a bit of a tearjerker. Also, if you're at a time of transition or trying to figure out your next step or want to understand more about what brings you joy each day or to connect better with those you work with or live with, I would love to come alongside you as you discover your top five Clifton strengths. You can connect with me at BarbaraColwell.com. Hope you enjoy this conversation with Jay. Welcome, Jay.
1: Hey, Barbara. Thanks so much for having me. Looking forward to this time together.
0: Oh, I am so um, encouraged and I know that the people that listen are really going to be inspired, encouraged by hearing about you and what you're doing and just how your strengths have shaped you and just over the years, just so many different ways that um, as you're living out your strengths, it's being such a blessing to so many people. Well, we take a few minutes and just introduce yourself, who you are, where you live and what you do.
1: Okay, great. Yeah, Jay Lorenzen, married to Lori Lorenzen. We've got four kids and 15 grandkids out there. We've lived in Colorado for the last 40 years. I came here originally in the Air Force, uh, was assigned to teach at the Air Force Academy, and after I retired, came on staff, time staff, crew, uh, working with the military ministry initially, and then gradually with Gospel in Action with Faculty Commons. And then just a couple years ago, As we've gotten older, we're finding we can't handle quite as much as we used to. And so we needed some focus, so we transitioned to another missionary order called Global Service Associates. And we're uh, pretty much focused on the things that we do to develop leaders um, through the conferences at Gettysburg and potentially other conferences, as well as doing some writing and and publishing and stuff. So anyway, uh, we feel like... Even though we're approaching our 70s or in our 70s, we are still pretty excited about the things that God has put on our heart. And so, anyway, I'm looking forward to uh, to spending some time unpacking the uh, the strengths. Now, I I you know I went through the Clifton test many years ago, and it's been a while since I revisited them. So over the last few days, I uh, it's been really fun to see how they affirm some of the things that. Uh, Give me life and give Lori life. Uh, Anyway, we've been in Colorado for quite a while, uh, kind of homesteaded. They call it in the Air Force homesteading when you stay in one place. But we tend to travel four to five months of the year anyway. So after living in Colorado Springs for 30 years, last 10 years we've been living in the mountains. Uh, Most of our time's on the road. It's given us a nice place to relax when we come home and prepare before we head out to the next location. So we live in a little town called Lake George. Colorado.
0: Well, that's great. Well, it's so fun just to get a little um, glimpse of just your journey over the years. And um, yeah, I'd love maybe if you just start with telling what your top five Clifton strengths are. And I think as you explain those, and I'd love to hear more about how that is in the, like kind of the backbone to all the things that you've been doing, but especially the last few years.
1: Right. No, sure. And, you know, it's been fun, as I said, to kind of revisit these and see how these are continuing to kind of play themselves out uh, in my own life and experience and areas where um, I feel a sense of God's pleasure and my heart comes alive. And I'm definitely a learner uh, kind of from the get go, from the moment I trusted Christ in high school. Prior to that, I wasn't much of a reader, but, um, you know, I seemed to right then. Click into the learner. Uh, So, I I value the academic environment. I have two or three masters and a PhD and MDev, and so I love going to school. Twenty years in the Air Force. Twelve of the twenty years I was actually in school, and twelve of those years, other parts of those years, I was actually teaching. So I'm all into learning and ideas, and I guess. From the get-go, I mean, I was a history major and then studied political science, but through the lens of diplomatic history, so the whole context strength. And then I love to make make connections between the things that I'm reading, the things that I'm seeing, and the challenges of living a uh, spirit-filled life and serving the Lord and King and Kingdom. And I do have this sort of strategic strength of being able i think to see the big picture Uh, i'm committed to seeing the big picture and making the that which is complicated less complicated that which is complex uh simple and kind of capturing the essence of certain disciplines or certain things that I've, i've been interested in so you know learner ideation connectedness strategic and context so i think those are pretty reflective Of where my strengths are. Yeah.
0: I loved, I'd heard about you and we met, you know, several years ago and I had, it was such a privilege this year as my daughter, Claire and I were near where you were in Gettysburg. And it was such a, such a gift to be able to meet, come over there and meet you quickly and get a little taste of what you do. And tell a little bit about just your what you do in Gettysburg and kind of how that came to be and just your vision for what you're doing in. Yeah. I'd love to hear about that.
1: Yeah. That'd be great. You know, we've, uh, right after I came on active duty or left active duty and came on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ, I became responsible for leadership development within the military ministry. But right before I retired, Lori and I had, had a planning weekend in Denver And we, the movie Gettysburg came out and we went in, I, it was a four hour movie and I just sat there spellbound by the story. And right after that movie, Laurie and I began to travel back to Gettysburg and stay at bed and breakfast and walk around the battlefield and begin to read as much as I could. And the more I thought about the three days of the largest battle on the Western Hemisphere, the thousands of leaders 160,000 65,000 troops that fought there that there were there had to be some explanation for how these what these men did i was overwhelmed watching the stories of pickett's charge or the attack on little round top and just blown away by what enabled men to do these things they were mostly men back then or they were all men back then. And so that question just plagued. And the more I looked at it, the more I found that one of the variables was leadership, the quality of leadership. The, the way the men performed on the battlefield depended on, in many cases, on the quality of the leaders that they had, as well as the relationships that they had within their particular unit for which they were fighting. And so I began to look at it through the lens of leadership. And so 25 plus years ago, we started taking men and women uh, and walking the battlefield for three to four days. So we spent an extensive time drawing principles out of the physical battlefield and applying it to other arenas. I had heard somewhere, probably at a Campus Crusade staff meeting, a guy by the name of Ronnie Stevens uh, said these words. And says, God did not give us... The gospel to explain the world. He gave us the world to explain the gospel. And that statement had so much impact because it makes everything interesting. That all creation, as Romans 1 says, declares uh, the attributes and explains the attributes of God, or Psalm 19, where heavens declares the glory of the Lord. John Calvin says that creation is a theater for God's glory. That we can look at the things that he's made, we can look at history and even institutions within history and draw principles out. And so came to mind in this process, probably a reflection of some of these strengths. Could it be that what it took to lead men in the physical battlefield are the same things it takes uh, to lead men and women in other arenas, in the spiritual battle, in business? And I began to study some of the best leaders at Gettysburg, some of the good men, as well as the bad ones, and ask, what is it that uh, enabled these leaders to enable men to do things that they didn't think themselves capable of before? And uh, And so that's kind of the genesis. And we've been doing it for 25 years. We have probably five to six conferences every year and in many cases i'm telling the same stories i've told a hundred times but i never tire of it it still inspires me Uh, it still grabs my heart and i think uh, whether it's context or connectedness is a strength to walk where decisions were made uh, to stand where leaders stood and to ask yourselves what would i have done had i been there how would i have responded is, uh, and then this is how this leader responded, and could I learn how to respond to the chaos of my organization in which I'm leading? Could I inspire the country like Abraham Lincoln did at the Gettysburg Address? So to stand there and to think through those things, and uh, I don't know, it's just completely motivating to me, and Lori uh, loves supporting it. We are a total gifted Uh, Our gifts are completely opposite for one another, but for somehow they sort of mesh together.
0: That's so exciting. Can can you maybe tell a few of this of your favorite stories that I know I heard a a few of them when we were with you for those couple hours? But I'm sure there's some that that are. I mean, I'm sure they're all your go to, but let us hear a a little bit about it.
1: Well, I mean, kind of one of, the, one of the premier leaders featured not only in the movie and the book, but in the historical record, although there were, you know, over the three days of battle, it just wasn't one leader. But there is one leader, Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain, a uh, professor from Maine who uh, commanded the 20th Maine, who happened to be in on July 2nd at the end of the Union line. This is on the day two of the battle. And he is basically protecting the whole left of the Union forces that are arrayed north of him up towards Cemetery Hill and Culp's Hill. And so he was a professor and he never studied war. He was studied rhetoric. He had studied, uh, spoke seven languages. He was a smart guy. But when he began, uh, volunteer because of his opposition to slavery in the country to serve the Union governor of Maine at the time wanted to make him commander of the 20th Maine. He says, no, you know, I, you know, I don't know anything about regiments and battalions. He says, but what I do know is I do know how to learn. And so he put himself under mentorship of uh, someone who had commanded the 20th Maine or who would command the 20th Maine before he, before he took over right prior to Chamberlain took over right prior to Gettysburg. And this particular guy, Adalbert Ames, said that there are two things that are critical if you're going to lead men. You must care, care for your men's welfare, and you must show physical courage. That when it comes to leading men in battle, if you'll just remember those two things, you must care for people, and you must demonstrate physical courage. And when I studied the scriptures, it became increasingly clear that those are the kinds of things that made for a good shepherd. A shepherd leads people to pastures, to green pastures, to gentle streams. But the shepherd also takes them through the valley of the shadow of death and into the presence of enemies. And so the best leaders, uh, there's a great passage in Numbers 27 where Moses envisaged, 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 envisions, uh, envisions the leader who would take over for him. He says that leader, uh, Lord, that you put over the people should be one who will lead them in and lead them out so that they might not be like sheep without a shepherd. And that Hebrew idiom, to lead them in uh, means to lead them into a place of community, caring, celebration, but to lead them out is to lead them out into the battles of the Lord out into the valley of the shadow of death, out into the presence of enemies. So the two things that I learned from Chamberlain is how am I leading people in to a place of community, caring, and celebration? How can I care for my people's welfare? And then how do I lead them out into the physical battlefield, into the battle itself, to the cause that brought us together? And how do I demonstrate courage in those two things? And so to me, that creates this beautiful balance. And so I I love telling the story of Chamberlain there because he not only uh, realized beforehand that he needed to learn these things, but he began to display them uh, through this really simple framework is how do I care for my people's welfare and how do I demonstrate physical courage in the cause that brought us together? And so, um, and it seems like that's, What Jesus did, he called when he called his disciples in Mark chapter three, he called them that they might be with him in community and teaching and learning and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority in spiritual places. And so Jesus himself had the same sense of these two tasks of leading people in to community and leading them out into the cause. So that's one, but I I could uh I could probably go on to a bunch more because there's probably a hundred stories that I tell over the four days there at Gettysburg that seem to be principles that apply outside the physical battlefield. So this is what's interesting about, and I don't know whether it's a connectedness or a context reflection of the context, is that you could take things that happened and and by observing them, by studying them, by learning them, you can actually find things that apply to your contemporary life, your contemporary responsibilities. And I think that's the, beautiful, the beauty of this, perhaps, strength that I possess, is that I can see these principles lived out in, you know, and I have focused, you know, primarily on Gettysburg, but, you know, through a historical lens in many, in many cases. so.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. I know just even recently just kind of coming back through your Instagram because I've been following you. It's There's so many rich nuggets of kind of like I'm sure the stories you tell when you're in person, but of um, so, many, so much background about each person and details. I know um, one of the things that hit me was kind of a little what you just mentioned of just the the character of the leader, but something you said about, um, the best leaders are charismatic and I think, yeah, can you double click on that a little bit? I mean, I think it's probably in the same vein. Um, but just one of the, one of the things you said, of just how the best leaders are charismatic, you know, they, they might not necessarily be the most eloquent speaker, but just their confidence and their, I don't know, can you, Elaborate on that a little bit
1: yeah I mean yeah no that's a great question because that post literally came out of a question posed by uh, someone at our recent conference in the in the rea- you know asking the question can you can you teach somebody to be charismatic uh, you know if we think through a biblical lens that charismatic refers to the grace gifts that God has given us you know that there are certain gifts when we take the world uh, when we look at the kind of how the world or a secular audience would, would look at charismatic, there tends to be this kind of fills the room, this ability to fill the room, who has this kind of personality that would, if I tried to live that out, would be inauthentic. But the more I began to look at the charismatic qualities, it convinced me that some of this had to do with how you appear and how you communicate that are when, when people think about people who are charismatic, part of it has to do with how they are seen by others. And part of it, and much of it has to do primarily with their ability to communicate, their ability to tell a story, their ability to um, paint a picture in people's minds. And I think actually both of those can be taught. I think all of us look in the mirror before we enter a location, you know, or give leadership or something like that. And, you know, it's probably okay, in a sense, it's not inauthentic to look the best you possibly can. Or, you know, if you, if I show up to do a wedding, I want to dress appropriately, you know, so that I might be, when I do speak, how I appear doesn't distract from the things I'm trying to communicate. So I think the leaders tended to understand that. I mean, my my favorite illustration is Frederick Douglass, who is the most photographed person in the 19th century, former slave, and he purposely dressed up to kind of change the perceptions in America of the poor, ignorant, slave, enslaved person. And he was purposely doing that. And he not only did that, he learned to communicate. And I think those two things weren't natural to him, that he developed those. And so since I lead a leadership development conference, I, I, I think I have to, the baseline is that you and I can become better leaders than we are right now. And we can, you know, we may not be the top guy, we may not be the most, you know, the best speaker, but we can get better. At those things and so that's how i'm seeing charismatic when i when i look at leadership i want to i mean one of the tendencies as a christ follower and i'm sure this was true of many many years as a discipler of men and laurie as a discipler of women that there was this focus purely on character uh all i was concerned was about christ-likeness now there's that is sort of the baseline that's the foundation for which all of these other things uh, need to need to exist, but one of the one of the constant refrains within the scriptures it appears in Titus, certainly in First uh, Timothy and Second Timothy, and it's embedded in the Great Commission. Is this ability to teach others? So there is a teaching gift, a special gift, but there is also a skill that defines as, what is it, uh, 1 Timothy 2.24, the Lord's servant uh, is able to teach. Okay, so that's a skill. And so if I'm going to prepare leaders to fulfill the Great Commission, if I'm going to prepare leaders to to lead, then part of that is equipping them to be able to communicate, to teach more clearly, uh, to tell better stories. Um, So, that's how I've you know, kind of been wrestling, and that's a great question because that was certainly uh, something that came up, and I hadn't thought about it. But I've read a lot about charisma since uh, one, of the, one of the attendees at the conference asked that very perceptive question, uh, you know, can you teach a person to be charismatic? And so, because she felt like you couldn't, in that if you, you would put on this false personality or this false image, if you try to be charismatic. <clears throat> so I began to unpack it. And most of the scholarship is, you know, does say that, yeah, you can you can help a person communicate more clearly than they they do. You can help them tell a story better. You can help them uh, speak above the line, uh, cast vision well. Uh, you can help them uh, understand how they appear to others. You know, that self-awareness, you can help people develop that. Yeah. Uh, and that's part of our role as disciples, I think, to not only to do all the other things like able to teach, you know, how to lead a small group, how to, you know, uh, be kind to, to the elderly. I mean, it could be a thousand things in which we, we would not think about if we were thinking f- through the pure lens of character and character only. So I like to think of what's their chemistry like? You know, how do they interact with people? What's their competency in their job? Do they know what they're talking about? Have they done their homework? You know, what's uh, how? What's their level of creativity? Do they bring to the table? Uh, so I try to, at Gettysburg, to challenge folks to think more broadly about leadership development. Hmm.
0: That's That's really great. I know, like... Even thinking about the um, Clifton strengths and you know some people might have strengths like like you mentioned that that do lead to that more, but I know like I took toastmasters with a friend that in, communication is one of my friend's top strengths and that isn't one of mine but as a leader in um, in ministry I like just exactly like you said I knew I needed to to learn to communicate better, but I'm never going to be. I'm not going to be like this, someone that it's one of their top strengths, but I can grow in that. So I right. appreciate that. Sure. Um, well, I'm wondering too, I know just it's, I would love to hear story after story of just the different people that you've had in Gettysburg and just, I'm sure so much encouraging feedback of ways that it's impacted their lives, but I'd love to hear just as, we're approaching Father's Day of like how your family and your grandchildren are um, kind of like, what's what's been your vision or how do you think they're enjoying the benefits of just your amazing strengths and who you are and your leadership and your vision?
1: Yeah, uh, it's a great question. I mean, Lori and I actually chatted about it a little bit. And I think one of the things, and I'm not sure whether this is a reflection of a gift, it's a reflection of something that I learned, which are strengths, uh, my learning strengths. And, And I read, right at the first day of seminary, one of our professors had been, spent the week, a number of our professors from Denver Seminary had spent the week with Henry Nowen. And Henry Nowen's, my favorite book of Henry Nowen's is In the Name of Jesus. And Henry Nowen makes the point, that our identity ultimately, as leaders, has to rest in the affirmation of the Father, that you are my beloved son, you are my beloved daughter, in whom I am well pleased. And I, I, I actually, we actually read that book together at the Gettysburg Conference, and we spend a whole time talking about this, because one of the temptations when you go to a, a battlefield that has a thousand monuments and some of them are these giants of men on these massive horses. We get the misunderstanding of leadership and that it's this kind of individual heroic uh, action uh, of these giants of men. Uh, and in reality, now it says in this book that all leadership is mutual, all leadership happens in community. And we cannot define ourselves by uh, how successful we are in leadership, that ultimately our identity comes from the affirmation of the Father. So that's a long ways back into your question, Barbara. But one of the (laughs) things that that has changed my own perspective is to recognize that I am not what I do. I am not what I control and have power over. I am not what other people say about me. I am what the father pronounced over me. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And I think the scriptures include the record of Jesus's temptations, because even Jesus needed the affirmation of the father. And it's right there at the beginning of his ministry. And it's actually right there at the end of his ministry. I think it's in John chapter 12. But, you know, to me, that has changed my relationship with my children and with my grandchildren is that part of my role is to bless them with the affirmation of the father, bless them with the affirmation of the grandfather. Uh, so today, you know, young people are looking and they're defining their identity by their likes on social media, by their how well they play basketball or how fast they run on the track, track or how smart they are. And, I, and I'm convinced that it's partly my responsibility to go back to him and says, you know, I am, you are embraced by a great affection, by your, by your grandmother, by your grandfather. And it's regardless of what you do. It's regardless of what you control and have power over. It's regardless of what other people say about you. You are my beloved granddaughter. You are my beloved grandson in whom I am well-placed. So every time I... I have every birthday Laurie you know as one who is organizing and arranging gifts she just reminds me okay today yesterday for example was Dawson my oldest grandson's birthday and so I just wrote a simple text and you know it was not an account of of uh what you know his recent you know, performance at college. Uh, it was not, uh, you know, I'm proud of you because you did so well at school. It says, you know, Dawson, your mom and I, your grandma and I real remember the day when you were born. You were our first, you are our first grandson and we are so proud of you. Uh, you are loved, uh, You know, regardless of what you do, say, I didn't say all of that, but just that chance. And it it works not only with grandsons and granddaughters, but it works with daughters and it works with son-in-laws and sons. And so those words come out of my mouth often is, I am proud of you. Uh, And uh, so I think that, you know, granting the affirmation of the father is a huge deal. And you and I need it. So many kids don't have it a part of what we do at Gettysburg. In a sense, I bless them as, you know, to say, you you know, when you lead, you don't have to ride in on a great big horse and have a monument built for you. You know, you can, you, you know, you're going to be successful sometimes. You're going to fail sometimes. But your identity rests in what the Father has said about you. You know, we preach the gospel to ourselves all the time. That's the critical aspect of how important this affirmation of the Father is. And so I um I try to make that a practice because I need it. And the reason I share these things at every conference and every opportunity I have is just to remind myself because I so easily fall into defining myself through the things that I do, through the things that I Say through the things that I control and have power over, or through what other people think of me. And you just can't lead for a long time with that. But Jesus could lead in the good and the bad because of the affirmation of the Father. And he could resist the devil's temptations to trip him up in those areas. And that's Henry Nowen's book is so good. And that has impacted. So whenever I have a chance, like on Instagram, you know, my granddaughter. Co granddaughter from Sierra Leone just won the state uh, state record made the state record in in a track meet and I certainly want to honor that and but uh and so I will probably make a big deal of that, but I also realize that she needs a bigger perspective than just what she does or what she accomplishes so Usually I'm, I'm pretty, you know, I'll recognize those moments when they've done well and they've performed well and tell them how great they are. But then I, in the in the side conversations, in the back room, uh, not publicly, to pass on a compliment and to say, you know, I just, you know, I'm just proud to be your granddad. You know, that's all I have to say, really, you know, um, or your dad or something. So. And it works great with son-in-laws, too, by the way. It's amazing (laughs) what happens. The relationships I have with my son-in-laws is largely because I'm looking for ways in which I can affirm them. And, uh, you know, just help them find their identity in Christ and what God thinks of them.
0: Man, you got me in tears. That.
1: (laughs) I got myself in tears there, thinking about that. It's such a, you know, it's such an important message in leadership. And one of the real challenges is at Gettysburg to try to equip them in competency and character and charisma and you know, you know, being able to lead well and knowing how to lead people in and lead them out, and but not have them measure themselves by those things. Ultimately, right. find their identity in those. So we. That's why we wrestle with now and in the context of these these giant historical people. And when you read yeah. their bi- diaries and biographies, they're just like the rest of us. They are bone of our bone, flesh of our flesh. You know, they struggle the same way with we we struggle with things. And so, anyway, that's sort of the challenge that we try to work through at Gettysburg. Yeah.
0: So I appreciate just so much your heart and just... I know the, I mean, even as I was, like I said, skimming over your Instagrams that I've seen when you posted them, but just seeing that heart that you have for the people that in your family and the ones that come to your conference. And I know just the times we've been together, I just appreciate just your kind, affirming love that you have for people and such a such a blessing and a gift. And so well, I appreciate, appreciate that, Barbara. That.
1: Thank you. you know, thank well, you for saying that.
0: I've had you on my mind to talk to for a long time, and I just appreciate you taking time to, to kind of unpack a little bit your strengths and give just a taste of what they look like, but even just seeing the fruit and the fruit of your labor in your life and how you're using what, so easy and like no big deal as you're reading and learning and connecting all the dots. But um, blessing those anyone you walk by with, with who you are and the things that you are learning. So I appreciate that. I have one last question: What has sure. brought you joy lately, or <laughs> put a smile on your face recently?
1: Right. right, Lori. Lori and I were actually talking about that question. So I need Lori's help in pretty much everything to kind of come down uh, to, to reality, because, you know, to be honest with you, Barbara, I don't smile very much, <laughs> but, uh, you know, because I'm into ideas and I'm thinking, and I can remember Lori saying she was in my office up at the air force Academy and a cadet reported in. And just the way my eyes are deep set a little bit or whatever, um, after, after the cadet left, Lori said that cadet will never come back into the office because of your, the way you look, and and I said, well, I was trying to think about how to respond. And Laurie says, well, when you think, you, um, you know, you don't. It's not that pleasant of an experience to experience you. And so, one of the challenges of having ideation and learner and strategic is to kind of complement that with sort of empathy. And I'm getting to your, to your answer real quickly, but I went through a number of 10 years of counseling, trying to get out of my head and into my heart. And one of the things that Monty said to me, says, you, you know, we'd be talking about my life and I'd tear up and I'd immediately shift into my head. I'd leave my heart and go into my head. And he said, whoa, 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 let's go back. And he gave me assignments and he said, one of the things I want you to do is to pay attention to those moments when you tear up, uh, when there's in most, a lot of times it's out of joy or out of, um, a thrill. I mean, we were watching part of Les Mis last night and, and, you know, the songs that, you know, are so redemptive in there. And I was just tearing up listening to some of those songs of someone who was willing to sacrifice, uh, for his, um, for Cosette and for, uh, for others, Marcus, and stuff. but one of the one of the things that brings joy is when I see see people overcome odds that were against them. And whenever I experience that in life, whenever I see it with my kids, even the horse race who the Kentucky Derby, <laughs> you know, watching the Kentucky Derby is like crazy. I'm crying watching this horse come from behind. Mm-hmm. And I've even forgot his name all of a sudden. but um You know, it's this idea of overcoming odds against them. And I think that's what intrigues me about battlefield and battlefield leadership. And then accompanying that is usually there is the sacrifice of someone for someone else. And so what brings me joy is whenever I see that or experience it. So um, you know, so anyway, that's sort of kind of when I feel joy and the smiles on my face, you know. Look, they won. Or look, they, you know, they survived uh, or they, they gave their lives for someone else, you know, and that just moves me. And I think that's why I think in Gettysburg, that happens a thousand times over, over and over, all the three days of battle. Men were fighting, not because they hated some, what was in front of them, but because they loved those who were next to them or loved those who, you know, um, And so that gets me. And, and Monty, my counselor said, don't let that go. Don't move away from that and rest in that. And so I think that's helping me to communicate some of those things um, to others.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's really good. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. That's so much good insight. Well, thank you again for taking time and, Oh, also, I. how could people follow you or um, learn more about what you do at Gettysburg? How could they be in touch yeah. with you?
1: You know, Instagram is probably the best place right now. I'm kind of moving away from, from Facebook, but Instagram.com backslash Jay Lorenzen. Most of the stuff I'm writing and uh, trying to kind of summarize, I put there. And then the high ground at Gettysburg.org is the, our conference website. And there are a number of links there to stuff I've written in the past or what other people have written uh, that might be helpful to folks. And if they want to join us at a conference, it, uh, you know they can find out information about the conferences there. Mm.
0: Okay. Well, thank you so much, Jay. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this time has given you hope and encouragement about how amazing you are or helped you understand someone you know or work with or love. If you're curious about your top five strengths, you can take the assessment at CliftonStrengths.com. If this episode's been helpful to you, please leave a review, share the podcast with a friend, or subscribe to Embrace Your Strengths podcast. You can find more information at BarbaraColwell.com. C U L W E L L dot com. I sure look forward to our next time together. Take care.